verse 1 to 15. Mark 1, verse 1 to 15. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sin. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who, he who is mightier than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Gal Gal Galilee and was baptized by John and baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn upon and the spirit and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am, I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days. Being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of God. Um, it is um, great to be um, together. Uh, thank you for, uh, for joining us. I do hope that we'll hear with all the, the rains and the, um, the blessings of God. Do you remember when we used to pray for rain because we thought the Val River was going to dry out? Um, God gives us good things. The rains remind us of that. Um, we are going to kickstart the year with a brand new series. Amen. It is the start of the new year. And you know what that means. Uh, it means cheesy hashtags. Uh, it means uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, one of my favorite hashtags so far is 2023. Um, a lot of people believing that uh, perhaps this year, maybe, just maybe, things will be uh, different and God is going to grant them breakthrough. Uh, but I also like what somebody said on, uh, on the socials, uh, that remember that 2022 is written as 2022. Um, if you don't get it, forget about it. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Ryan was even struggling to say 2022 because it just felt like uh, this has been the, uh, a long three years. But for us, um, it means that it's a new um, chapter opening, um, 2022, and so it means uh, a brand new and exciting series uh, in the Gospel uh, of Mark. And I've decided to, uh, to title the series Under Construction uh, because I believe that the Christian life Uh, And one of the things that we need to remember in 2022 is that the Christian life is a life under construction. Amen. Uh, God wants to work in our lives and he wants to rework um, our lives and transform um, our lives into uh, the likeness of Jesus. Um, One of the things, um, we live in Midrand, and we know that one of the things about construction, uh, nobody knows it better than us, isn't it? Uh, we live in a city that's always under construction. Uh, wherever you go and travel to in Midrand, there is some building coming up or an old uh, place that didn't have nothing, now has something. I uh, still remember coming out of a pandemic and under, out of lockdown and seeing a builder's warehouse uh, out of nowhere. I was like, what? When did this um, come about? So Midrand is always under construction. There's always a a building somewhere being demolished uh, to make way for a newer building, uh, always a complex coming up. In fact, in our own church here, uh, if you sleep, if you don't walk around, um, you will realize that sometimes there's just a block of classrooms uh, that comes up out of nowhere. Seriously, one time I walked uh, towards the tuck shop, which is down there, and I was like, when in the world did we build something new? Uh, but that's just our, our church keeping up with uh, Midrand that is always under construction. And the thing about construction is that it is a messy process. Uh, very often you look at the construction site, and you cannot in your mind imagine what the thing is going to look like when it's complete. Uh, construction is messy. Construction takes time. Uh, so it's not an over-the-night uh, process. It takes time to build uh, something uh, magnificent, um, a, a building structure. Uh, not only does it, is it messy, not only is it um, takes time, but it also requires a lot of energy. Uh, so there's a lot of energy that the constructors put into uh, building a structure. And so I think in many ways, Uh, The Christian life and our experience of the Christian life is like that. Uh, There's always an area of our life that needs to be knocked down, demolished, uh, and for something new to come out uh, from that. There's always an empty space of land, an unproductive area of your life, if you are a believer this evening, uh, that needs to be looked at uh, where something new has to come up uh, where there is nothing. Uh, Always an old habit that you need to get rid of. Um, always a new way that God wants to reshape your life um, to become something totally, um, totally different. I am struggling a bit. I do. Can you guys hear me? Because <laughs> I'm struggling and I cannot hear myself up here. A couple of years ago, uh, how many of you know a comedian by the name of Steve Harvey? Uh, so Steve Harvey, if you know him, you know that he's his tongue is very vulgar. A um, couple of years ago, he released a, a, a comedy series which he titled uh, Don't Trip, He Ain't Through With Me Yet. 
uh, don't trip, he ain't through with me yet. And he came out and said that he had actually become a Christian. He will put away cussing or talking uh, uh, bad about women, uh, and he will become a clean comedian. And he did this comedy special uh, at a church. Uh, but every now and again, Steve Harvey uh, would want to go back to his old ways. He would slip up, uh, a cuss word would slip in uh, at church, and he would say to the, the guys who were listening to him, don't trip, he ain't through with me yet. Um, and I, 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 I like that comedy series because I think in many ways it was just an honest reflection of his own life. He was really excited about um, Jesus uh, and he wanted uh, his life uh, to be different. And I think in many ways Steve Harvey echoed what is true for most of us living the Christian life. Uh, don't trip you ain't through with me yet was basically him saying, don't be patient with me because God is not finished his work in my life. Uh, and I think that's true for your life and my life this year, uh, that God is still shaping us. God is still building us. Our life are a work in progress. Don't trip because he ain't through with us yet. Uh, he's still constructing us. Amen. Now, the book of Mark that we are going to look at focuses a lot on the life of a Christian and about how God wants to reconstruct and reshape the Christian life uh, to look like something totally, totally different. Uh, the book of Mark or the gospel of Mark is written to a group of believers. And what Mark is trying to do is that he wants to pastor them and he wants to uh, pastor them through one of the most difficult times. And he wants to point them, point them to Jesus. Uh, and he wants to point them to the fact that Jesus is the person that wants to reconstruct and transform their lives. A gospel, if you are new to the Christian faith, a gospel simply means a biography on the life of Jesus. And we have about four of those. Uh, it's a particular genre that focuses in on the life um, of Jesus. It is a unique uh, genre uh, focused in on the life of Jesus. Have a look at uh, verse one, chapter 1, verse 1 of Mark and how he begins this account of the life of Jesus. The beginning, we are at the beginning of a new year. We're beginning um, looking at the gospel. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So from the outset, we know that whatever we're going to read here in this book is about who? Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's a Sunday school um, thing. Every answer is Jesus. If you ask kids in Sunday school any, any question, the answer is always Jesus. Uh, but there's something particular and there's something different about how Mark is going to present um, to us uh, the, uh, concerning the life of Jesus. Um, so just keep in mind that every time you read the Bible, you need to remember that it's, it doesn't come out of a vacuum. Uh, normally, the Bible writers want to present to us a certain truth about God so that, so that it would have a certain implication on our lives. Uh, so there's, as I said, there's three different Gospels, and each and every Gospel has a particular reason why they're writing um, uh, that, that a particular account of the life of Jesus. Uh, so if you read one story in Mark's Gospel, it doesn't mean 
that same story in Luke's gospel is necessarily there for the same reasons. Um, So every particular writer shapes their story of Jesus in such a way that they want to bring across a certain point that has an implication on how the Christians live out their lives. Let me, let me just get you to speed as to what I mean uh, by that. Just turn over to Luke, if you have your Bibles. The church, once again, they would say, this is my Bible. Um, I am what it says I am. Um, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 1. Notice how Luke, Luke gives another account of um, the life of Jesus. In chapter 1, verse 4, we looked at Luke's gospel last year. This is what Luke says about why he's writing the account of Jesus. He says there's a lot of guys who put up together the life of Jesus, uh, but he wrote this gospel that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Uh, So this person who's reading this uh, section of Luke's gospel uh, understood Jesus. He had been taught about Jesus, but Luke writes to him so that he may have certainty about the things that were said about Jesus. Uh, So this Luke's gospel is all about giving a thorough account, giving a thorough investigation of the life of Jesus so that the reader would have certainty, would be sure that this Jesus is who he says he is. So Luke uh, rearranges uh, the life of Jesus to present to us a sure account of who Jesus is. John, which is another gospel, uh, who has a different style to the other three gospels. If you turn over, uh, you'll see in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, John tells us and gives us an account of why he writes concerning Jesus. Uh, This is what John says the purpose of his gospel is. He says in verse 30, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, which means King, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So notice two different accounts of the life of Jesus. Each has a specific focus and a specific reason as to why they write. John wants the readers to understand who Jesus is, and in understanding that they would taste the life that Jesus offers. Uh, So John is evangelistic primarily. John wants to convince us and to move us from a place of disbelief or unbelief to a place of joy in believing that Jesus is king. Uh, So you see three different accounts um, of the same person coming from different angles, and all of them want to uh, do something or teach us something about how Jesus, this Jesus, impacts our lives in 2021. Amen. One of the things that Mark wants uh, to do, or one of the clues that we have in Mark's gospel is that he doesn't tell us outright why he's writing what he's writing. But as you see the shape of uh, Mark's gospel, you'd realize that uh, there's something important that Mark wants to bring to our attention. Mark wants to present to us a picture of this King Jesus, 
but this King Jesus um, doesn't look as impressive uh, as the other, other Gospels. Uh, on your seats, there's this um, paper, if you can please take it out. It is a visual kind of representation of the structure of Mark's Gospel. And I stole it from a website called The Bible Project. Um, if you, there are more on the empty seats here. And you'll see there that Mark has structured uh, this gospel in three different parts. Okay, so the first part, which is chapters 1 to 8, we are presented with the man Jesus. And every single time we get this question over and over again, in chapters 1 to ch- uh, chapter 8, the disciples or the, the, the people who are watching Jesus are asking themselves the question, who is he? Who is this man? Who is this man uh, who's performing miracles, who's driving out demons? Who is this Jesus? So that's chapters 1 to chapter 8. Now chapter 8 to chapter 10, Jesus reveals who he is, that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the one who is promised by God uh, to come deal with the sin and the brokenness of this world. But here's the, here's the key thing uh, that Mark wants us to realize. Mark wants us um, to come to the realization that this Jesus, this Savior, so chapter 1 to 8, who is he? Chapters 8 to 10, he is the Christ, the anointed king. Uh, chapters 11 to 16, we come to realize that this is, This king is a king on the cross. He is a suffering king. Now that is is key in Mark's gospel. So much so that in uh, the middle section, chapters 8 to 10, every single story is about Jesus on his way towards Jerusalem. What is he going to do in Jerusalem? He's going to die on the cross. He's going to die on the cross. And so what Mark this year is going to do to us is that it's going to reveal to us this suffering king, this suffering servant, and it's going to remind us that God wants to reshape and reconstruct our lives to look more like the life of Jesus. The shape of Mark's gospel is the shape of the life of Jesus. And the shape of the life of Jesus is the shape of the Christian life. Let me say that again. The shape of Mark's gospel, the structure of Mark's gospel, reveals to us who Jesus is, uh, the shape of the life of Jesus. Um, That is a suffering king, a suffering servant. And the shape of this suffering servant is going to shape and reconstruct the Christian life for you and for me. Uh, So the summary of uh, today's message is that God wants to shape your life to be like the life of Jesus. God wants to shape your life in 2022 to look like the life of Jesus. And man, can I tell you, that is a hard place to be. To be like Jesus is not an easy place to be. Whether it be in your workplace, whether it be in your studies, if you are a student, 
whether it be in your marriage, if you are married, or in your human relationships, the life that is shaped by Jesus is not an easy life. Uh, but nonetheless, we see in Mark's gospel that it is the life of glory. Amen. It's the life of glory. In fact, Mark's gospel, if we look at, at the end, chapter 16, Have a look at uh, chapter 16. I'm not going to read through it. But most other Gospels spend time in telling us that Jesus died on the cross, but he rose again. In fact, Luke Acts tells us a lot about the resurrection. But Mark, notice Mark, spends about eight verses telling us that Jesus came back to life. Chapter 16, verses 1 to, uh, to 8, is Mark's contribution to telling us that, yeah, this crucified Jesus came back to life. What, what you need to realize, what we need to realize, is that most of Mark's gospel is leading us to a crucified Jesus, a Jesus on the cross. It is a bit different uh, from the other gospels. God wants us uh, to remember that this Jesus on the cross reshapes the way we approach life. Uh, he reshapes the way we approach discipleship. Uh, discipleship meaning simply uh, to follow Jesus. So three quick points that I want to bring out from our text. Three things uh, for us this evening. Number one is that Mark's gospel is about Jesus. Duh, obviously. <laughs> Number two is that Mark's gospel is about discipleship. It's about following Jesus. Number three, following Jesus means being reconstructed by Jesus. Number one, it's about Jesus. Number two, it is about discipleship. It's about following this Jesus. Number three, following Jesus means being reconstructed by Jesus. Amen. So those are three different things. Let's have a quick look. And this is going to be long because we're going to dive into uh, the text. The first one will be longer than the, the two other ones. Number one, Mark's gospel is about Jesus. As we said, the beginning of the gospel, gospel simply means good news um, of Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God. Son of God is a title that Mark uses uh, to describe to us the unique relationship that Jesus has uh, with uh, the Father. Have a look at verse 2. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord and make straight uh, his path. Make his path straight. Uh, so from the onset, uh, Mark tells us that this is going to be about Jesus, Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ is not a, a surname of Jesus. Uh, Christ is a title which means king. Okay? The gospel, the good news about King Jesus the Son of God, 
And then what Mark does is that he connects the story of Jesus to the story of Israel. He quotes two um, Old Testament prophets and says that this, when as I spoke, behold, I send my messenger before your face, he was actually looking forward to this king, Jesus. Uh, so the story of the Christian of Israel is fulfilled in the story of Jesus. Have a look at verse 4. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were, out, were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel, camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. He's a weird guy. John steps into the scene and calls people. He, he, he's wearing like weird clothes and he's crazy. I don't know if you've seen those movies with guys with a sign, the end is coming, yeah, repent. Uh, this is kind of an idea that we have of John. He's a crazy guy. But they respect him uh, because he's calling people, calling all of Israel to repent from their sins and turn back to God. And so John baptizes them. Uh, and baptism is a symbol of new life, of newness. Uh, baptism is almost reenacting the story of Israel. Remember when they moved from slavery in Egypt, they went through the river. Which river was it? Church, which river was it? The river of uh, Jordan. Uh, so this is in, in, in some way reenacting the story of, um, of Israel. In some way, God is telling them through John that this is a new beginning, a new start for you guys. Uh, so John comes, this weird guy, baptizing people in the Jordan. He's a, a, a very well-known uh, prophet. But John wants these people who are being baptized to remember something, uh, to remember that it's not about him, to remember that, in fact, he's coming to prepare a way for somebody greater than himself. Have a look at verse 7. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So again, we get this picture of what God is going to continue doing in the life of these people. He started this story with uh, Israel. He continues it with Israel. He uses his messenger, which is John, calling people to be repenting of their sins. Um, but he ends it with his king, King Jesus, who is going to come and once and for all establish the kingdom of God. Have a look at verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And then he came out of the water. Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So again, as we just the opening chapters of Mark, you're like, wow, this Jesus is big. John says, this is, he's a respectable guy, and he says, well, the one who's coming is greater. Um, Mark tells us that he's the fulfillment of 
uh, the Old Testament. So there's something big about this Jesus who's coming. Not only is he going to uh, come and, um, and establish God's kingdom, but he's going to have a look at again at verse 9. John, in those days, Je- Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Verse 10. And when he came out of, out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Notice the confirmation of the Spirit on the life of Jesus. Verse 11. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. So from the outset, we see that this Jesus is something special. It's confirmed by the prophets in the Old Testament. It's confirmed by this prophet called John. But it is also confirmed by the Holy Spirit of God. But what happens after his baptism is, um, is just uh, something that's going to uh, give us a taste as to what kind of king is this Jesus. Have a look at verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Uh, so again, just from the outset, we're getting a clue into the life of Jesus. And this Jesus, we notice that he is in the wilderness. Again, this is obvious, but we miss this because we live in Midland 2022. The wilderness in Hebrew mind, in Hebrew thinking, is a place of chaos and disorder. It is a place where God is not uh, operating. It is a place that is God-forsaken. In fact, in the Old Testament, what they would do is that they would get two goats. Uh, one of them, they would lay their hands uh, on it uh, and symbolically transfer the sins of the people onto this goat. And this goat would go into us the desert um, to say that sin and brokenness and chaos belongs outside the camp of Israel. It belongs in the wilderness. It belongs in that place uh, that is disorderly, uh, that is chaotic. And Jesus, after being baptized and confirmed as the king, the son of God, goes into the chaos. He goes into the chaos uh, to be tempted by Satan. He goes into Satan's territory and he conquers in his territory. In fact, that as he comes back from the wilderness, we're going to see that Jesus reverses and begins to reverse the powers of chaos as he casts out demons, as he heals the sick. And so from the outset, what we are seeing is that this Jesus is a magnificent person. This Jesus is no ordinary person. This Jesus is the one who's sent by God to come sort out the sin of Israel and to come to bring us from chaos uh, to a place of order. This Jesus has come to reconstruct uh, the life of God's people. Uh, So Mark's gospel is about this Jesus. But why? Here's the question. You always, because you hear the stories, right? Uh, Maybe in Sunday school you grew up hearing uh, that Jesus came into the desert, um, Jesus was baptized by John, Jesus is the Christ. We say it so much uh, that we often forget the weight of what it means for our lives. Uh, we forget that it has to restructure 
our lives as followers um, of, um, of Jesus. One of the questions to ask ourselves continuously, and I encourage you as you read through Mark's gospel, is to ask yourself, <clears throat> why does Mark want us to know that? Why does he want us to know that Jesus is supreme? Why does he want us to know that this Jesus is a suffering Jesus? I mean, it's 2022. Don't we have a better message? Don't we have a message that's going to encourage us to say that you are a conqueror, that you're going to conquer your uh, whatever challenge that you're facing in 2022? Surely that's the message that you want to hear, isn't it? But God is going to lead us into a different kind of message. Um, a Jesus on the cross, a pathetic king, to remind us that the life of a disciple is not a life of glitz and glamour. It is a life that is reshaped uh, by Jesus. Uh, so secondly, what we're going to see from Mark's gospel is that this gospel is about discipleship. This gospel is about following Jesus, and following Jesus means following him into the difficult places. Following Jesus means we're going to follow him even in difficult circumstances. Amen. That there's going to be a time in your life as a Christian where you feel like, man, is this, is this really it? Is this really what it means? I, I became a Christian not because I wanted to, to face difficulties. I became a Christian to be a victor. But what we're going to see in Mark's gospel is that victory comes through the cross. A victory comes through uh, suffering. And so, Mark's gospel is about following a suffering king. So, firstly, Mark's gospel is about following Jesus. Secondly, Mark's gospel is about um, discipleship. Following Jesus, even when it's difficult. Particularly when it's difficult. Now, personally, I've had to just face that in life, that the more and more you grow older as a Christian, the more and more there's pressure upon your life. And the more and more pressure there is in your life, the more you are called uh, to be reconstructed and to live like one who follows a king who understood pressure. Amen. The life of Jesus saves the life of disciples. And Mark wrote this gospel to a group of people who were facing so much pressure, and he wanted them to realize that pressure and difficulties are not so alien to the Christian life because their very king went through difficulties. He was showing them Jesus so that they could make sense of their lives. So every miracle that you read Every whipping of Jesus, every time he argues with people who uh, push him away, every single thing in Mark's gospel is geared towards pointing us to this suffering servant. That yes, he's powerful. He can cast out demons. He can bring dead people to life. Yet he would surrender himself to a cross. If that's the shape of Jesus' life, then that should mark the life of those who would follow him. In fact, I dare to make this claim that every, most of the Bible is written in the context of struggle. Most, if not all of the Bible, is written to people who are in a crisis context. 
The prophets in the Old Testament are writing in a time where they're facing serious persecution and exile. And most of what the, the first few uh, chapters of the Bible are trying to reshape the story and the hope of Israelites who have faced lots of difficulties and are compiled together to give them hope in a hopeless situation. Most of the New Testament uh, is written in the context of a guy writing from a Roman prison. Most of scripture is written in the context of uh, crisis and suffering. And Barzalani, can I remind you that that is the normal experience of Christians. That is the normal Christian life. It is the life of, um, of, of suffering. It is our human experience. And what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to grapple with that reality, is to grapple with the reality uh, that you and I are going to face pressure. This is what um, two commentators say about uh, Mark's gospel and this idea um, or that he is reshaping the life and the thinking of Christians who are facing uh, difficulty. This is what one commentator says. He says that Mark's task was the projection of Christian faith in a context of suffering and martyrdom. So, so Mark wrote uh, in a context of people suffering and people being killed uh, for being Christians. If Christians were to be strengthened and the gospel effectively proclaimed, it would be necessary to exhibit the similarity of the situation faced by Jesus and the Christians of Rome. Uh, so if they were to understand fully what it means to follow Jesus, they needed to be pointed to the real Jesus, a Jesus on the cross. The gospel of Mark is a pastoral response to this critical demand. So Mark is writing about Jesus, but it's not just that he wants you to know about Jesus because he was a nice guy. No, he wants them to be marinated into the kind of king. So it's not just about that Jesus is king, but it's about the kind of king he is and how he brings about the kingdom. And just put yourself in those guys' shoes, knowing that you might actually die and being killed for a Christian, and casting your mind to a man on the cross, a man called Jesus. So Mark is responding pastorally, and he wants to walk them uh, through what it means to be a Christian. Another commentator says that Mark's task was to project Christian faith in a climate of uncertainty. Uh, so things were uncertain. They didn't know what was happening. Where martyrdom had been a reality, they knew guys who were being killed for being Christian. And he selected and arranged the tradition to, pro to present the Christ who continues to speak and act meaningfully in the context of crisis. Mark's gospel is about Jesus. But Mark's gospel is about discipleship. Because this Jesus, uh, if you want to follow him, then your life will represent, will look like the life um, of Jesus. The life of following Jesus is a life that looks like the life of Jesus. I wonder if he, that's the reality for your own life. Uh, would you say that if we were to put it up in, is there ultra 4K uh, view? Is there such a thing as ultra 4K? Or is that 4K the last one? If you were to put your life in 4K, like this crisp 
life, boom, on the screen, would you say that your life resembles that of Jesus? Listen to what he says as he teaches his disciples about uh, um, following him. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow him, follow me. That is the, that's the difficult thing. I think if I look back, I've been a Christian since the age of 14. Um, I'm 20 now, uh, so six years. <laughs> when I look back um, at my Christian life, the very first part of it, I used to read uh, verses like this. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And it will be like, wow, yes, I'm pumped, Jesus. I'm empty. to follow you. I'm ready to take up the cross. But I did not know what the cross looked like. I did not know and taste what it means to follow Jesus, even when it's tough, even when it's, it feels like, man, I just want to hand in the towel. Life has been tough, 2020, 2021. Can't we just give up on life? But this Jesus went through suffering so that even in our most painful moments, even in our most difficult moments, we can look to him and find encouragement. Uh, because if our king died on the cross, uh, then our lives would resemble uh, that of our king. Very often our lives need to be reshaped uh, to look like the life of Jesus. Another verse, Jesus teaches his disciples as he reveals himself and tells them that he's going to die. Uh, they come to him and they're like, please, let's, let's, let's be with you in your glory. They don't get discipleship. They don't get the kind of king that Jesus is. And so in chapter 10, verse 44 and 45, he says, whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Jesus come? Well, he came to serve. What does the disciple look like? Discipleship looks like a life of service. A discipleship is a life uh, that is self-denial, where we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Uh, discipleship is about denying our own privileges and becoming a servant to others. That's one of the things that we're going to see. And that's one of the things that I hope as you look at 2022, you'll begin to be reconstructed in the way that you make um, resolutions. If your resolutions don't have other people in mind, then your resolutions need to change to look like Jesus. Amen. And I think we'll, we'll end it there. That's, that's our very last point, that following Jesus means to be reconstructed by him, uh, to have your life look like the life of Jesus. No disciple is above his master. If the life of Jesus is the life on the cross as we see it, now let me just say that other gospels do talk about the victory of the resurrection, but Mark wants us to know that, hey, he wants us to dwell in the, the cross, the suffering, so that our lives would look like their of him. So I do hope that you will get into this week and read through Mark's gospel, every miracle, every story, every beating, and to remember that this supreme God who casts out demons destroys evil finally.
by dying on the cross and that your life needs to look uh, a bit like that. Uh, so I just want to leave us with a few questions uh, as we look at our lives, as we consider um, this, um, this year, um, if, as we consider how Jesus could reconstruct our lives. Three questions. Um, one I've already said. What are, what are my resolutions? And do those resolutions have... Who, who, who's at the center of my aspirations and resolutions for 2022? Who is at the center of it all? Number two, if you think of your life as a building project, a messy building project, a building project that's going to take time, which area of your life do you need to believe that, is, that that area is still under construction? Which area of your life do you, still, do you still have to apply this truth that, man, this area looks messy? In fact, if I were to open this room and the visitors would see it, they would judge me. What is that area, that messy area of your life? Can you, this week, here's a challenge to you, uh, to take that messy area of your life, to bring it to Jesus and say, please help me believe that this too is still under construction. That Jesus wants to reshape this area of my life and make it look like him. Make it look like him. Help me to deny myself. Uh, so where is the mess in your life? Where do you need to believe that God is reconstructing you. Lastly, and those questions I think are, are quite connected. What does it look like? What does your life look like? Um, what does it mean that my life is under construction? If you had to look at your life, how would you say that God is still reconstructing you? That I'm a person who's still under construction. And so as we step into this week, May that be our prayer. As we look at our lives, as we look at our resolutions this year, may the shape of the life of Jesus, as we see him in Mark's gospel, reshape our lives here in Midrand. As we walk through with Jesus in the streets of Palestine, may he reshape the way we walk here in Midrand. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the start of the new year. Uh, thank you for the rains, that despite the noise and the rains, we could still hear something of your word. Uh, thank you that you have brought your son, Jesus, into this world, and that he is a king. Uh, but he's not just an ordinary king, uh, but he's a king on, on a cross. And so I do pray that we would look at our lives, Lord, uh, those who claim to be your followers, and that we would long to be reshaped uh, to be more like Jesus. As we look at 2022, Lord, I pray that we would be drawn to seek to have our lives look like yours. That we would deny ourselves of the pleasures that easily distract us and destroy us. Uh, that we would deny ourselves of our own rights in wanting our way through life that we would embrace a life of the cross, a life of difficulty, that you grant us the, the, the strength to do that. That we would uh, specifically long to see transformation and reconstruction 
in areas where we've lost hope. Father, grant us new hope. Uh, grant us that as we look at Jesus, uh, we would look at a man who's conquered evil, so as we would walk in newness of life. Give us a hope once again where there is no hope for 2022 that Jesus will be king for all of our lives this year. That Jesus would conquer where we are uh, weak. Uh, that Jesus would strengthen us where we are broken. Father, I pray that as we think about ourselves as a church, that we would confess our sins to one another. That we would open those rooms that are still under construction, that look messy, broken. That we would confess them to other Christians uh, so that they would help us uh, to repent and believe in you. So I pray this year that you would reconstruct us as your disciples. I pray that you would empower the preaching of your words, that we would go out into this week seeking to deny ourselves and to follow you. This we pray in Jesus' name and for our sakes. Amen.